You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, WA. My name's Sean Kelly and this is the World Football Programme. Um, thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic Ramblings. Um, two terrific guys and a great programme. All right, today we have a big programme lined up for you. Uh, joining me in the studio is the State League Standing Committee Chair and Asheville President Phil Kelly. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Very well. Good to be here. Yes, guest and co-host as well, so that's a good thing. We'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah, we'll put the pressure on. Um, on the show today, we're going to start off with Greg Farrell from WA Futsal. We'll catch up with Greg about WA Futsal, and we may even have a quick chat with him about the Matildas against Ireland. Um, we'll then follow up with... Alex Epicus of Glory w- uh, WA, he's or the W League side rather. He's um, been very busy in the off season. They've been extremely busy. The Glory women. Yeah, big contrast to the last year when he came in very late and had nothing. Um, but yeah, did a good job with the team anyway. Then we've got uh, Michael Ianello, who is the president at Mum. Like yourself, another young president, which is good to see. Um, you know, starting to get the raft of those guys coming through at that age, which is good. And uh, then we will f- follow up with you and talk about all things State League. So, we, yeah, plenty to talk about in the State League as well. Obviously, with Mum last night, yeah, uh, they were successful against Gosnells as well. In oh, their what a comeback playoff. by Gosnells! I mean, three one at half time. You, you would have been worried if you were a Mum fan. You certainly would have been. I think there were uh, the calculators were out working out the away goals as well, and. 
And I think the marshals were all very busy out making sure no one stood behind goals and stuff. So I think there good. might have been a bit of drama the other night, <laughs> hey? Oh, uh, look, one. what would it be? State League without Bants? Surely not. No. No. How could you? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, bit of news, as we said last night, Gosnell's three, Mum three, and that's all Mum through, five, four on aggregate. So, you know, your away goals count. Um, seems some bants about that as well, which is quite funny. Um, well, the Champions League, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's actually funny because um, I remember when that rule was brought in, um, it was because it was a requirement, but now that isn't the case anymore. So no. two-leg finals now don't need to be decided on the away goal, so expect that there might actually be some changes uh, in the future on that. Yeah, but how would you do it? Because even then, if you did it on points, so three points and one point um, would have been the same. Extra time payment. and penalties. So, well, would it have been, though, because it was a draw? Oh, good point. See, so they weren't yeah, both. Maybe, both so maybe both results just, were equal. So if, if both results were were equal, yeah. if they were both one 0 wins to the home team, then how do you sort it? Good question. Yeah. So there's the things yeah. you need to have a look at. Yeah. Um, FA Cup, FA or FFA Cup, as it was known previously. Um, history will be set. This one will be the last ever winners of this competition in in this format. So. Oh, the FFA Cup? Yeah. Or the FA Cup? FA Cup. Well, it's not, no, it's not, it can't be called the FA Cup. It can't, can no. it? So it might be called it might, maybe uh, the Australian Cup or something. Mm. But Florida Athena at the Velodrome are playing Adelaide United. Yeah, that'll be a big one tomorrow, I think, actually. Yeah. Um, that'll be quite a big game out of Florida. And I see that the grandstands opened up as well, um, yeah. which will be great for their fans to get in there and uh, have a look at some A-League action. Yes, definitely. And then, of course, we've got the, the biggest game in the state today is over um, at Francis Street Reserve. Yeah, we've been lucky. We've avoided two COVID scares this week. So yeah. uh, I know that uh, the presidents of both Swan and uh, and Kingsley have been frantically uh, in discussions with Football West about all the COVID preventions that could have happened this week. But yep. uh, the game is definitely going ahead <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> For all of those that were worried about that, yeah, it's all been settled and cleared. Um Perth Glory got a Members' Day coming up on 17th of October at Fremantle Oval. Good to see them using that. Um, their new space. Their new space, yeah. Yeah, which will be good actually to see them in that environment actually. But then I saw another announcement that they're going to play out of Crazy Domain Stadium, Stadium for the 22 season. Yeah, well, I think there's a little bit more uh, water under the bridge with respect to uh, games out of Fremantle. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah. I, I think it's good. It's, at least with Crazy Domains, it's, it's a purpose-designed football stadium uh, and, you know, good on Forestville for doing what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and um, that arrangement with Forest is obviously doing very well for both for Glory and for Forestfield, so it's good to see them at, at playing out of a great what is actually a great facility there at Hartfield Park. Yep. And DH7, um, that tragedy still drags on. Yeah, it's disappointing. But again, um, you know, you're buoyed by how much the, the WA football community has actually... Not just the football community in WA, the football community in the world. In the this world, is a actually, global right. community. Mm. And when, when you see people like Cristiano Ronaldo, and I know it's his idol, but, you know, when you look at the scheme of things, Cristiano Ronaldo... Um, where he is in in, the, in world football, you know, one of the top players in the world, and um, a guy like Danny, and he's taken a moment out. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's, it's, it is great. It's fantastic, and um, all our thoughts are still with with Danny. We know that, and he's had a bit of a tough tough time this week. Uh, but look, we're we're all using our thoughts and prayers, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, you know, it's great that that's that's happened. It's just. Terrible that we had to be there to, to do that. But it reminds you about what's important in the world and, you know, 
it's, it is at the end of the day just a game. But, um, you know, hopefully Danny's going to pull through. We need to be all pushing that way and, and remembering that his his recovery is not going to be a five-minute thing. So, you know, if, you, if you've got a, f- a few spare bucks, throw him into the... Uh, into the GoFundMe page. GoFundMe page. I think, yeah. Obviously, I think today his parents actually come out of quarantine. So yeah, today, they do. today is quite an important day as well. So it'll be good for them to be by his side as well. Absolutely, it will be. Um, and Lisa Devanna saw a couple of things on the, the media. Um, look, stellar career for the Matildas. Um, always sad to see a player's demise and sometimes it's very quick and unexpected as it was for her Absolutely. And, and other times it's long drawn out and they should have gone ages ago um, and I know she's very bitter at the moment about where she is but I'd like to see her get over that and get, get back I'd into like to, I'd like to think so too yeah. Look, I mean you see it I t- get it I understand you, it I get it I get it too I think I think the tantrum's a bit late, to be honest. Yeah. If you ask me, I think she's. This is there's some timing involved here. Yeah. Um, look, she's absolutely had a stellar career, and everyone has a massive amount of amount of respect for her and the contribution she's had to the game. It'd be really sad to lose her from it, mm. and we can only hope that she she's contributed so much. I would like to see that. Yeah, this little blip, and yes, look, you can understand the way she was exited from the Matildas wasn't great. She she deserves her moment in the sun, and whether that had been a game in Ireland or whether it's a, a testimonial, whatever, but Absolutely she, she has does. to have something. Yeah, and I'd like to see her then come back in coaching or in, in some, some other role. But it'd be it'd be sad to lose someone like Lisa Devanna, but it wouldn't be. It's not unprecedented, right? No, no, Lucas Neal. <laughs> there's been a few. There's been a Mark few people. Paduka. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of players that have unfortunately become disgruntled, and you've never really and, heard and from not, them again. And not just in Australia, across the world, it's oh, happened. Absolutely, everywhere. it happens at all levels of the uh, game and as well. Unfortunately, with end of careers, some people do understand it's coming and have prepared well. Um, Dino Gilbich, um, obviously, saw the writing on the wall. He's now a property developer and has transitioned extremely well. No bitterness there. I think Dino, I think Dino was handing out his business cards. For his property development business about four years before he retired yeah. but and some people that they, they don't see it coming so a football career is always going to end a life doesn't exactly yeah yeah 100 but we you know let's let's hope that um that lisa can you know address those demons and, and, yeah. and we can get her back in the game somehow and then during the week there, there was a big 6.0 um in melbourne i thought it was city was still going on about beating victory oh, same here that's yeah. what i thought i thought we would discuss this i mean i'm great to talk about it again yeah i love it yeah, yeah exactly right but then obviously it was a little bit more serious than that yeah um but <laughs> on top of everything else but but, yeah. but, but, but but quite a funny joke i have to admit yeah, and then um, the other one for me is um, Jared Gillett. Boo, yes. Um, yeah, but, but uh, it's, I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? Because you see he's doing so well. Yeah. And, I mean, to be the first international referee in the EPL, what a, what a fantastic achievement. It's a shame it's Jared Gillett. Yeah, but there's there's no um, Albanian gypsies playing in there, no, so he should be well. fine. I, you know? I guess it could. Yeah, he should be fine. Um, I just didn't realise his girlfriend was a marketing or the referee manager for the EPL. But hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And and it'd be interesting to see what happens when he if he ever gets to do a game with Man United because. Um, I watched Ronaldo against West Ham, and I, I thought he was like a pensioner on black ice every time he got in the box. <laughs> yeah, I think they, I think you might have your hammer goggles on there. No, I, yeah, I, I think you, you might. No, if, if if the ball goes to the left and you jink to the right and run into the defender, it's not a penalty in my book. You know my opinion on this. And he was <laughs> di- yeah, but the third one, he was diving before the challenge even came in. 
that, yeah, I, I I'd probably agree with some of those some of those uh, challenges. They were a, a tad, they were a tad light. Yeah, but then I thought it was quite funny because they were all complaining that the the handball uh, by Shaw wasn't a handball. I mean, he was out away from his body. He was waving he was waving to his mum with it when he hit the ball, <laughs> and again, it can't be a penalty. It's in a natural position. Yeah, I, I, I on that one, I do actually agree. I think it was it was an out on penalty. Yeah. Um, but justice was served. If you're a Man U fan, but, but I've seen I've seen other ones where you know we've had players getting up off the floor. They've got their hand on the floor. They're pushing up, and the balls hit their hand, and and a penalty's been given. And then there's magic words in the interpretation of the referee. Yeah, and if it's Jared Gillett, <laughs> 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 and I know Cheesy would disagree with me, but yeah, look, good good on him. It's good to see a Aussie in there. First, the first non UK based referee. Yeah, it's a to, fantastic achievement. Yeah. And all jokes aside, with Jared Gillett. Um, and his performance in, in that grand final. Yeah. Um, look, it's a, it's a fantastic achievement. It's great for referees in Australia. It says a lot about our game here and the development of referees. So well done on, well done for him as well. Yeah, no sticks in the throat, but yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, uh, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Greg Farrell from WA Futsal. Does a great job out there for Futsal and a terrific sponsor of the radio station. So good on you, Greg. We'll be back with him in a minute. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au. 107.9 FM, your local station. And we're back in the room and joining us now on the line is Greg Farrell, who is WA Futsal. How are you, uh, Greg? Good, thank you, gentlemen. How are you guys? Good, mate. Um, how's things going out there in, in the world of futsal? Yeah, very good. Um, we've got all of our, our social competitions have, have just finished up in the last couple of weeks and the same with our elite competitions, the Superliga, so they're... Yeah. 
having a actually having a weekend off this weekend. Um, as I, I mentioned to Sean, uh, he very quickly said, "Oh, good, let's get you on the radio then." Yeah. Um, and it was a, a matter of we we were actually supposed to be going to flying to Brisbane today for the national school futsal championships, um, but obviously with everything going on in the eastern states, that wasn't possible. Um, but but yeah, so we've got a weekend off and. The, the social competitions are going nice and strong midweek. They've all started back up for the most part um, and building quite well into the summer. And and with the um, outside field football finishing uh, round about now, you'd, you'd be hoping to grab some of those players into your competitions. Have you got something new starting up for them to get into? Yeah, most definitely. Well, and that's, that, that's the big thing about social football is that teams can join at any point in time. So... We'll, we'll quite often have, have teams starting um, two or three weeks into a season and yeah. even 10 or 12 weeks into a season. And then they'll then just continue once the new season starts back up. Um, so there's always something for everybody. Um, we have up to, well, down to, I guess you would probably say, D grade for, for social men. We've got down to B grade for social women and, and C grade for social mix mm. uh, and and everything for from five year olds upwards. Yeah. Now you, you talk about the the Brisbane um, games being shut down. That's not because Brisbane's in lockdown. I think Brisbane's one of the few states that's actually done a good thing over there. They're, they're pretty much like us um, with with their their COVID situation. Um, there's no builders you know demonstrating on. Memorials and things. So. It's the unpredictability, though. Sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if, if, uh, well, well, and, and, and Melbourne, and, and also just yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, just the fact that people from New South Wales and Victoria can't travel. Um, yeah. South Australia has been up and down and very iffy. And at this point in time, if someone sneezes in Brisbane, there's a very real chance that if we were over there, we would have been locked out from coming back to WA. Or made to quarantine for yeah, two exactly. weeks when we got back. And I suppose, look, going forward with, with COVID, that's that's the bigger thing. Um, you know, I saw an article the other day about the A League, is about you know the A League's going to return in October, but will the crowds return? And and people are very reticent now to go into big crowds and to be in those situations. So, you know, looking forward for for comps and things like that, that's going to be a, a big issue in the future. Well, it it, it certainly. Is. And that's that's something that I've sort of spoken to to our members and said that our plan at the moment is not to travel interstate until at least mid next year. Yeah. Um, we we've been invited to tournaments overseas in in Japan, in Spain, um, Thailand, but we're actually invited to one in, in Burma as well, Myanmar. But yeah. obviously, with everything that's happened over there in the last little while, oh, that's yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just a matter of ensuring that everybody is at ease with going because if there are people who are concerned not just about being around a situation where there's a COVID lockdown or something, mm. but genuinely concerned about catching it as well, yeah. either they've got pre-existing conditions or they've got family with it and all that sort of thing. I yeah. mean, none of us wants to catch it clearly, but people have got certainly higher or lower tolerance or concern for what's going on. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
and and that's got to be a big factor in what we do, making sure everyone's always safe and healthy and happy. Mm. There's so much hinging on it as well. I mean, we're not talking professional futsal players here, so I know with my workplace, um, travelling interstate and particularly overseas at the moment is um, a particular issue around the vaccination status and, mm. and, and all these sorts of things. So you're also you know, expecting people to be making decisions in their personal life. On, on which is effectively a, a social or a hobby outing as well. So it makes it very complex. Yeah. Well, and that, and, that, and that, again, of course, is always a big thing. But with with kids, it's, it has to always be their, their yeah. safety. And, and, and what, like I said, what can happen if if one of them were to pick it up and bring it back yeah. and they we, we, we don't know about it for 10 days and they see their grandparents and... Yeah. It has a flow on effect. But the, but the Delta variant affects children as well, and that's well well documented now. But but no such concerns in Lithuania, where the uh, the Futsal World Cup's being held. Well, they've still got a lot of they've still got a lot of protective measures in place. Um, the so I, I have regular contact with a couple of people who are over there. Uh, a coach, his. Uh, <laughs> His short name is Baba. Um, <laughs> it, it's Gentoku Baba, and I can't remember his last name. It's like Fernandinho or something. Yeah. But he's he's Japanese Brazilian who lived in Spain for ten years and has been around the world with futsal. He's currently the assistant coach for the Thailand team. Yeah. So they had to they had to do two lots of quarantine. Um, first they had to quarantine for two weeks yep. uh, in, I think they actually went to Japan um, and quarantined for two weeks before they went to Europe. They then had to quarantine for another week when they got to Lithuania. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, I mean, we talk about the what happened with the Olympians when they returned, how some of them had to do huge amounts of yeah, quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. And as horrible as it is, I guess that's what you sign up for. Oh, of course. People knew that that was going yeah. to be the case when they signed up for it. But just going by his name, he sounds like he's very technically gifted with a lot of flair. <laughs> well, he's an exceptional coach. Uh, he has been an assistant coach at several different Spanish first division clubs. Yeah. And like I said, it is is the Thailand assistant coach. Um, I've got another... Another, I probably would use the word friend, who um, is one of the technical assistants for the Spanish team. Mm-hmm. Um, and an old coach of mine is actually with the, the Brazilian national team. He's now, the, the coaching director for CBF. Good. Now, this weekend is the round of 16. Some games were held yesterday, and I think there's some games on today. And it, I also think um, SBS are covering the, the tournament. Yeah, so SBS, is, I think it's starting at the semi-final yeah. uh, stage. But those of us who are a little bit more diehard have been watching them in whatever way we could. Um, VPNs and that sort of thing are yeah. a wonderful addition to the internet these days, using using Portuguese and Spanish and whatever television stations we can use. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's the way, the way to go, really, isn't it, these days? Um so uh, you've been you've been watching a few of the games. Who, who's your tip for the Who's your tip for the final? Well, you you find it very difficult to go beyond Brazil and Spain. Um, 
especially the the Russians are always excellent, but they're now out. Um, Argentina were a, a very big surprise packet in the last Football World Cup in, in 2016. Nobody expected them. Like They weren't even on their own radar, really. Um, and Brazil have got probably best of form and at the moment the best player in the world for Al. Um, he's a, a pivot, which is like a, a centre forward. Mm-hmm. Um, Portugal are... Uh, Always decent with Ricardinho, who has probably been the best player in the world the last six or seven years. Um, but Spain have got a lot of quality across the board. Um, so I, I, I would probably say Brazil have to be favourite just because of their form and because of the players that they've got. Um, but the next the next five or six days is going to be quite exciting for those of us who, who love the game. Well, I hope you've got an understanding, boss, because you're going to be bleary-eyed in the mornings when you come in, aren't you? <laughs> well, I was uh, <laughs> I was down at, at our centre in Edland at 8.30 this morning and he wasn't very happy with me uh, because I would rather have not made myself get up, but it's what you have to do really, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. I, I survived the, the Olympics and the World Cups and everything else so, and the European Championships recently, so um, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, well, even, uh, and it's a little bit unrelated to football, but I do love the Tour de France as well. Oh, that's that pointless race in France, isn't it? Or is that the French? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't help myself. <laughs> Um, now we're talking about um, futsal, but I also know you're you're a big fan of the women's game, and you would have been um, in touch with the Matildas game against Ireland. What did you make of that? Yeah, I, I also saw the article about Lisa Devanna. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to that next. Let's, let's, let's do the Matildas okay, first. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, I, I was impressed with certain things and kind of left a little bit confused about some other things. Um, like some of the selections, I think, are terrific. Um, young players coming into the group are awesome. Um, one of the girls, India Paige Riley, was a, a football player from, from Queensland who's now playing over in Denmark. Um, mm-hmm. like th- those young players coming through are terrific. But I don't know. Some of the selections sort of leave you scratching your head a little bit. Um, yeah. Po- postal... Like, I, I think... Sorry. Oh, no, you go. Well, I, uh, I I've been work, working with Tim Carroll at Northern Redbacks the last yep. few years, and and I look at her and I think, as as much as we've got players, younger players who have come through, her intel her football intelligence is is well looks like well above yeah. a lot of the players that are in that team. Absolutely. Um, her and Claire Polkinghorne were a really good partnership for yep. uh, the Raw. And, I mean, I, I have a funny feeling that she's taken herself out of selection. But I look at it, and I, and I think I said it during the, the last Women's World Cup four or five years ago, why is she not at centre-back? Why mm. is it, at least in the squad? Um, and, yes, we have to give young players an opportunity, and we want to bring them through, definitely. But a couple of selections, I just thought, oh, geez, I don't know about that one. 
Yeah, I look at it slightly differently. I think, you know, you've just come out in an Olympics campaign. Uh, we've got quite a few older women, like you said, Kim, um, is what, 34, 35? Um, and you've got a lot of young players. And I think if you're two years out from a World Cup, you've, you've got to be looking at what's coming through and then exposing them to that level. So I, th- I think, you know, from that perspective, it's not a bad thing. But you've got, you've still got to have people there to, to lead the way and someone like Kim is a leader and she would you know and, and Claire Polkinthorne as well so yeah oh yeah and, and Pulse is brilliant like yeah. I think her still being there is is most definitely a big part of that leadership group and yeah and having that influence um and and you, and you definitely need to be planning for the Women's World Cup in two years that that's not a question at all no but I just think like someone like Kim is Someone who could still be yeah. in that national setup, even if not as a player. Yeah, um, and that would that be brings us invaluable experience. And that brings us very neatly now to Lisa Devanna, because I think as much <laughs> as no, no, but as much as we develop young players, we also need to prepare the the senior players. Um, like Kim and, and like Polkinthorne, that need to be prepared for the end of their career and they, it needs to be managed. And I think, you know, the only person that didn't see that coming was Lisa. Um, and she's very bitter about it and, and understandably so because, you know, you, you've got to stage manage these things properly. And she she's de- definitely earned some respect and, and the right to be managed out rather than just told, no, you're not in the squad anymore, bye. Yeah, well, I think uh, I sort of looked at it as a similar situation to Tim Cahill at the last yep. World Cup. Um, it was genuinely a mistake to not have him coming on in the last 20 or 30 minutes of game at the World Cup because he would have given us something. He would have given us those things that he's given us for 15 years and I think Lisa Devanna was the same. Not that it's an earned... like. It's not a right for her. It's definitely an earned thing. But if she'd come on for 10 or 15 minutes against Sweden, if she'd come on England, there's those little differences that she would have given that I think would have made the game slightly, like, pushed it in our favour. Yeah. And she, she's scary. It's an interesting perspective, uh, though. And whilst, I, and whilst I get that, Mary Fowler did exactly that. Sorry, what was that? Mary Fowler did exactly that. She came on, she scored a cracking goal, and that put us back in the mix. So, you know, it's it's half of one and, and, and six, six of the other, and it's just, I don't know. It's I think it needs to be managed much better than it was, and the player needs to be involved in, in how that career is that going to go, works. yeah, in that process, because we are going to have to say goodbye to um, a number of those players. Kim Carroll's one, Claire Parkinson's another, and at some point, Sam Kerr. But we can't just go, all right, look, you're in the team today, you're but, done. but tomorrow you're done, bye. And it, needs, yeah, it no. needs to be better than that because, you know, when you look at what Lisa Devanna did, she she paved the way for professional football for women in this country. And she's pumped gas and done all sorts of jobs just to make ends meet and struggled. And, and her struggle is now really making that pathway possible for the, the new group coming through. And, you know, she was a, a golden generation on her own before the, the current golden generation came through. And she's been very much involved in that process. And I don't think she's been paid enough respect in that regard. But there is no right, as you say, to a place in the, in the national team. No, well, but that's... And, and that comes down to individual um, choices. And, and clearly, 
there are coaches who have earned the right to be at that level and we're not any of them. Um, but, I, yeah, like I said, I just thought Tim Cahill not coming on at the end of those games in the Men's World Cup was a huge mistake. And I, and I still think as much as Mary Fowler was terrific and she did score score a couple of good goals and even last week she scored that, that goal, yep. um, I would have said, well, we're losing to Sweden in the semi-final. Why not put them both on? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I don't disagree with you on that. So, yeah, and like you said, it definitely needs to be choreographed much better. Like, she should be going out uh, a triumphant hero, whether it's as a a gold medal winner or whatever, but it should be celebrated. Oh, absolutely. And then she needs to be encouraged to be involved in the the next... Um, stage of of her her career, which is you know it, whether it's management or whether it's a, another another avenue within the game, but it'd be be terrible to see her go from the game completely. Well, and and she said in that interview that she wished the last twenty years hadn't happened. Like mm. this is the person who one of the people who is the reason that Ellie Carpenter is playing in France, Mary Fowler is playing in France. Sam Kerr is playing in England. A lot of that potentially wouldn't be as advanced as it is without what Lisa Devanna did. Correct. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that one. So um, I suppose, look, it's, it's about how we manage that. But then having said that, we, there's lots of things, and I've heard this quote before from someone that, you know, um, other codes in Australia don't need to worry about football because football will destroy itself, and we do. Um, the, the demise of Stagic, again, who had done a fantastic job with the Matildas, ended in, in that very awful public outing and then an investigation that had no case to, to prove. And, and what was all that about? And, and it makes us look very unprofessional, makes us look like we're, we're not managing the game well and then when you've got someone as, as decorated as lisa is going i wish i'd never played for 20 years that's yeah yeah that's it's not a good look and we need to do it a lot better yeah well and it's it's the same as what and we, we've spoken about this before with us us selling ourselves and and making ourselves a better product because when and the women's game in the last two years is a perfect example um Annie Leyland, my, my fiance, was working at Football West and really pushed hard for the women's NPL to happen. It hadn't happened for six years before that. Um, now it's happened and we've got every women's game being live streamed. We've got big crowds at games and lots of people watching them online. The product has improved essentially because we built it, the NPL that is, yeah. MPLW, and it's now going to continue to improve because it's there. If yes. we don't have, if we don't put things in place, it it doesn't develop because it, it it can't. So if we have the situation where we've got that sort of player, Lisa Devanna, we've got Tim Cahill, you organise what are those games called where they reach ten years of service testimonial, or whatever? A testimonial, yeah, yeah. testimonial. Yeah. So yeah. You have that sort of an exit for a player of that stature. Um, and it might not be a full international, a competitive match, but you organise that sort of thing yeah. to say, this is what you've done, this is where you are in our game, and we want to recognise it. And but other codes do that to, really well. We, mm. Yeah, and but we have to sell ourselves as well better to the government. Like There was a, um, a report, a graphic on Football Queensland's Facebook page the other day yeah. about how 
WA and South Australia and New South Wales and Victoria have gotten government funding for football through like the home of football and that sort of stuff, and Queensland hasn't received anything of that. But even the amount of money that we have received in WA is like a thousand of what we should have received if we compare ourselves to hockey and AFL and yeah. netball. Oh, you look, the Waffle gets, what, 11 or $12 million a year from the WA state government. And yes, we've, we've had a, a fantastic injection, 35 mil for the, the, um, the home of football this year. But up until then, you know, sweet FA before that. Um, and it, well, you're and right. That, and that's something I think James Curtis has done very, very well, is he was the, one of the ones who really pushed for the WNPL to happen. Mm. And then also... He's been excellent with engaging with government, um, Scott Morrison and Mark McGowan. And whenever there's a, a big announcement, those people are there. He's there. Yeah. And it just, but it needs to result in more and more money coming in. But so th- that so that we don't have MPL parents having to pay $1,500 for their kids to play every single season. But I think we're very politically naive as well and we don't use the the power that we could exercise at a ballot box at all where we're not coordinated and once we start to get that together then then maybe things will change. That's a good point Sean uh, and you're absolutely right that politically we do not play well in that space and we're too busy fighting amongst ourselves. Fighting yeah. with each other. Yeah. Exactly. That we don't ever unite and we should unite as a code as a clubs, as as different codes of football, right? And we're talking about the difference between futsal and football. Mm. We should be uniting, and we should be we should be going at these political parties. I mean, we are the number one sport on every single metric that you can measure yeah. with participation. Yet we don't get to command. The and, political... and that's irrespective of what we're talking. We're not talking about just indoor football, um, the the MPL. Or futsal, we're talking about the code in general because there's there's wheelchair football, there's there's all you know equal footing ball. There's everyone can play at any level you want to. Um, good grief, even Sabutio, you know, is 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 part of our code, mm. and, we, and we need to be yeah. pushing that. We don't we don't exercise that political power that we do have, and yeah. we should and we should absolutely stop the infighting, unite and work together. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that would be. Amazing, but it's about finding someone who can unite people, and and it's Australia wide. Like, yeah, exactly the same problems are in every state. Yeah, yeah. And look, as much as the, the home of football is a terrific um, thing, and and you know we we fought long and hard and, and for it. My personal opinion is that every home ground, whether it's Gum Blossom Reserve, Francis Street, or any or any of the other grounds that we have are their own individual little home of football in each individual area. And really that's where we should be fostering and developing better grounds, better conditions for, for juniors and for women to train in. And then if, if those were looked after, the top end would look after itself. But the, the grassroots clubs, you know, when you look at some of, the, some of the grounds and some of the changing facilities that we have, and then through the state league, um, teams that are playing out of dog walking parks, who, you know, if they had small boutique stadiums, the, the game would flourish. Well, absolutely. And if you look at even in, in the women's league, I mean, we're starting to see more and more now change rooms being female friendly, right? That's not that's only a very, very new thing. Um, it's about that level of investment that's needed in the game. Um, and, and it doesn't happen enough. And we, we, need, we need to see a lot more of it. Definitely. Well, and even you, you look at what the home of football is going to be for 30 something million dollars. 
but it not have been fifteen or twenty million dollars and ten or twelve million dollars goes to the hundred or so clubs that we have in WA, give everybody a hundred grand and they can fix up change rooms, they can make things slightly better. I, Even I, though the home of football is a good thing, I don't yep. I don't specifically know exactly what benefit it's gonna have overall, well, like you say, especially at the grassroots. In all honesty, Greg, it, it isn't gonna provide much uh, impact at grassroots level. Um, it is an amazing investment. It's going to be an amazing facility. It's going to be amazing for Football West and and, uh, and and I think for state teams and for the NTC and people like that. It's going to provide state-of-the-art facilities for that end of town. But my under-9s team playing out of Bilia, um, they aren't they're not going to benefit from the home of football at all. But they're the ones that need to. And you're absolutely right is that we need to see that spread out amongst community clubs all over the state, um, not just not just to feed that top end. Yeah, but, I mean, we, if we gave Belia 50 grand, what would that do for it? It would be, it, it would be immense. It would be like giving us $30 million yeah. um, to, build, to build a home of football. It would be enough to build a home of football for the kids but it would build, in Belia. It would build you um, decent changing facilities, decent Completely. storage facilities, yeah. and, and provision for... a. a a nice little tidy grassroots yep. club. And every club is scaled um, to that effect as yeah. well. So, I mean, look, it, the home of football is amazing. It's fantastic. It's great It's great for us to be able to attract that. I couldn't mm. agree more with you, Greg, that the actual benefit coming down to grassroots level is yet to be seen. And, and I'd like to be proven wrong on it, but I, yeah. I, I think I think we're pretty pretty aware of, of, what, of what's going to happen. Yes, absolutely. It's, well, yeah, like we've said, it's, it's a great thing, but could it have been done? Like, I think it's more of a an attention thing. Hey, look at this big, beautiful, pretty thing. We've organised it. We've gotten the government to support it, which, again, are very important things. But, yeah. but, but I see the other thing is you take. I can take a different view of it. It's a nice, big, shiny jewel in the crown, and, and you look great achievement. Well done. It will provide us with a, a good administrative hub where we're talking now about coaching and training. Um, not just the players, but also the the club um, officials on on what they need to do to to administer the game. So there's there's lots of good things going on there. My biggest fear is that government for the next ten fifteen years will go. Yeah, we gave you that. You don't need any yeah, more money. We we spent thirty five million on you last year. We spent thirty five million on you five years ago. Why do you want more money? And yet they'll yeah. still pump their eleven or twelve million into the waffle every year so they can pay fat cat wages. Yeah, well, and that's, like, the other way to think about it is St. George's Park in the UK is the Football Association's home of football. Yeah. Um, the Scottish FA, Brazilian technical area. Like, they have those for the country. There are small things in each state or territory, but given what the FA, I think, are hoping to try to do with reducing the middle management in the different footballing yeah. bodies in, in the various states, how much do we need an enormous hub for staff? Oh, I agree. That's a really good point, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Look, Greg, that, that sounds like a really good chat for another day because <laughs> I'm, <running, laughs> no, I'm running out of time. No, no, I've got, um, <laughs> I've got Alex Epicus, and not that he's more important than you, but he is. Um, 
I'm, I'm not going to deny that, and I wish him the best of luck. Yeah, I absolutely, hope, uh, mate. A couple Look, of more local signings coming as well. Thank you very much for what you do in the game. Um, enjoy the rest of your day off. Um, thank you for being on, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. All good, gentlemen. Have a great day. You too, bud. See Thanks, ya. Greg. See you later, yeah. mate. Bye. Greg Farrell doing great work out there in the world of futsal, but a, a real fan of the game and uh, an interesting lad to talk Isn't to. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Look, he's clearly clearly his passion comes through. Uh, um, definitely has some great ideas and, and thoughts on the game as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah look, he's not, not in isolation. And yeah. I think, you know, the, the more we, we push this barrow that we... But on that, right... Yeah. We shouldn't be afraid to have these open and frank discussions about no. where our game's at. It's okay. It's not offensive. It's no. not, um, you know, it's not a criticism. I mean... It's freedom of speech at work and where people have opinions well, and, and out of, you know, several million opinions, we'll, we'll get quite a few that are really good. Yeah, exactly right. And um, no, it's, great. It's, great to, great. it's great to hear that the perspectives that Greg has as well. All right, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after that with Alex Epicus from the Perth Glory W League and we'll talk to them about the upcoming season. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware, WA. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Oh, I just love that noise. I'm so looking forward to a new yeah, season. I nearly broke hand a song there as well. <laughs> it does that to you, doesn't it? Does, it does, doesn't it? And, and one of the men who will be responsible for us being happy and cheering and singing that, uh, that chant along is joining us now in Alex Epicus. Alex, good morning. How are you? Very well yourself. Yeah, look, buzzing. Um, new season coming up, A-League, W-League. Um, and what a difference a year has made for you. I mean, you, you came in very late last year. Um, recruiting really wasn't a, a thing you could do with COVID and what was happening. And, you know, with what you had, you did a, an excellent job. And I thought you were robbed in a couple of, of results. But um, the team over the year did well. But this year, by Jove, you've had a busy off-season. <laughs> Look, I uh, yeah, appreciate the warm words. I think last year was was difficult for a number of reasons, and a lot of those were uncontrollables. Yep. But you know that that's behind us. We've learned what we needed to learn from last year, and the players have grown from that as a group. And yeah, now it's all systems go for this this coming season. And we uh, yeah, we had to recruit in certain areas to uh, ensure that we had a, a really competitive squad. Yeah, and, and recruit you have, I think, what, nine or ten players have come in and, and some, some genuine quality within that. You know, I'm looking forward to um, me, Anne's play, and she, she looks like the, the goods to me. Yeah, look, I think 
it was really important that we just were able to bring in players of different experience, different character on and off the field and just make sure that we've got a very deep squad. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of hype around the internationals and rightly so because they've got a fantastic resume. But I'm equally looking forward to working with the players from last season as well as the other junior players that we've recruited from around the States. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when you look at it, there's... um Alana Janzeski and Claudia Mahoik, who are both junior uh, Matildas, who are you know very young players but very experienced players and and quality. Look, I think with all those players in particular, you know, I think that there was an opportunity for for them to stay in their comfort zone in their in their home base clubs, but the opportunity of of being, you know, potentially more exposed to game time and. and a longer-term project was something that was important to them, um, and knowing that they could have a, yeah, a big impact over in, in the squad over the next couple of years, and we're just really, yeah, we're really excited and grateful that they feel as though this is going to be the best place for them in their development. Yeah, and with your, your goalkeeper, you had a great goalkeeper last year, but you've brought in um, two new ones this year. One of them, um, obviously, Morgan Aquino, who has been in the program for a while, left last year, is now returning. Um, and I think that's good because, you know, both her and Kim Carroll spent some time away, but now they're back. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the club's vision is to make sure that we have best place possible. And the idea with that is to have as many WA players. So to have those two return uh, after a stint in Brisbane is fantastic. You know, Morgan's a, a great up-and-coming goalkeeper, and Kim, you know, her, her experience speaks volumes. So certainly two fantastic acquisitions and looking forward to working with them closely. Absolutely. And then there's, there's another one that's from WA and, and obviously a friend of the radio station, uh, one of our co-presenters in Miranda Templeman, who's gone into the Adelaide system. So, you know, it's great to see that the club is producing players not just for themselves but for the league. 100%. You know, we, we want to be the home for the best players possible in the country, you know, the best emerging players. And we need to have, you know, a firm footing in making sure that that happens in our own backyard, but also making sure that we can still attract the best quality players coming through from other other states because we want to have the best first glory team possible. But we've just got to get the balance right of having a strong mix of the WA core. And, you know, hopefully they they develop into bigger and better things when they go overseas and play for international clubs. So it's 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 a process and it's just going to take time and, and tweaks, etc. But it's one that we're all really looking forward to. And then some of the, the reliable um, and stalwarts of the club, if I, if I use that word, in people like Tash Rigby, who is a, a great leader on and off the field and, and someone that can just, you know, light up a room with a word or two. So, you know, good that you've got those guys coming through as well. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, Tasha's just got a fantastic ability. Her skill set on the field is is amazing, but the quality she brings off the field is equal to that. And we're very fortunate to have her on our side and fantastic leader, fantastic captain, and someone who I think really leads through authentic leadership. And yeah, we've got a great relationship. And you know, she she acts as an extension of me on the field and. Uh, yeah, really love working with her every day. It's just, uh, it's just, yeah, really exciting. Yeah, she's she's just a terrific girl. Um, 
Now, your first game's coming up, what, December the 2nd? I think the 4th. Okay. Yeah, so that, and that'll be against Canberra? Uh, I think, yeah, Brisbane, December the 4th. Okay. Brisbane at home. Excellent. So yeah, so that, you know. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, it's not, it's, it sounds far, but we're, you know, the moment that the draw came out, we've just, all eyes are on that now, and we're gearing towards, towards round one, and we're very excited. How are, how are your pre-season preparations going, Alex? And considering the pandemic and you've obviously got players coming in outside of Western Australia, are you able to get the and, squad together yet? Or? And Alex was in Sydney for a long time himself. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm just curious as to the disruption. I mean, obviously there's a bit of time between now and the beginning of December uh, and hopefully enough time to get everyone on the ground and on the park and, uh, and, 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 and in camp effectively. Yeah, so I mean there's, there's a few steps to that. I think ultimately... Um, for me, over the last couple of months, watching WNPL, you know, for, from YouTube, so to speak, it's been, you know, really great. I've been able to rewatch and, and watch games and identify players that are standing out, keep an eye on the, the current glory players and also, you know, future glory players or, or ones that can be involved this year. So certainly kept me busy. Um, as you mentioned, we've got a few players coming from, from the East Coast. We've got a few players coming in from overseas. Every situation is a little bit different based on the borders. We've managed to get the majority of our Melbourne girls over. So they're currently, I think, halfway through their quarantine. Um, and they'll be out soon, raring to go. Um, the Sydney girls, you know, it's going to be a little bit trickier. And then obviously the international players. We're, yeah, we're working through it all. But I'm, I'm really confident because the club's got great people working towards managing that process and I think it'll be um, it'll be seamless and we'll get them here for a good part if not the whole part of pre-season when it officially starts on the 25th of October. That's good and obviously I mean there's going to have to be some significant strategic planning, jurisdiction hopping with some of these players, having them quarantine in other states and, and then being able to move across so um, I'm sure you've got the right people planning that in the glory at the moment. Yeah 100% look and what we went through last year as a squad in season was, was difficult. Um, but what we have learned is that that is potentially the new norm. So we've just all got to be really open to the idea that logistically and, and manoeuvring and quarantine and players coming in and out, it's, that's just part and parcel of what a season looks like for us. And we just got to look at that from a, an optimistic viewpoint as opposed to a, you know, a negative. And we're, we're going to be a really resilient bunch. So it's, it's fine. We'll take it all on. Yeah, I suppose. Look, it's it's quite different um, scenarios though for the men and the women because obviously the 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 men, hundred percent of their incomes generated through through playing the game, whereas a lot of the women um, work for other people. I know Tash Rigby worked for me for a short while, um, so they're balancing jobs with. A playing career, uh, it's not so easy to work out a hubs and to get the time off to go play. So, um, who deals with that that side of it? Is that the player or the club? Or yeah, uh, look, there's um, you're spot on with what you're saying there, and you know I think we're certainly making progress to to sort of managing that as the game becomes more professional with more teams and and you know minimum contracts, etc. But we're not quite there yet. And then in the interim, we do have a few, you know, grey areas that you've just spoken about. That process of managing it, it's, um, 
you know, I think it's all parties involved. It's obviously yep. the competition. It's it's the club and the player. And we just make sure that we do our best to make sure everyone's in a comfortable position with what the decisions are. Yeah, I think you were so, right yeah, there, Alex, be, with the resilience. Pardon? The resilience, right, is the big key yeah. word. And I think that that... And, and and that's the big thing that probably came out of last year. Um, that the girls last year seemed like a really really close knit group, and and that's the sort of stuff that comes and, out. And, of and particularly when the results weren't going their way, even right up until the very last game, you know, you never dropped their heads. They kept pushing forward. They kept trying, and you could see that they 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 didn't want to be where they were, but they they accepted that it's always going to be tough, and we'll just get tougher. Yeah, uh, that's. You know, I'm, it's pleasing that your viewers can can see that because that was certainly the case, especially internally with inside the group. I I was just so proud that despite the difficulties on field, cracks never appeared inside, and I think that that just speaks volumes of of the characters that we had and have, and you city to still stick together and still have a go yeah. and, and compete with those, you know, on on paper teams that were more experienced. Yeah. We were always trying to take the front foot and we're, we're happy to go down, but we're going to go down with a real fight and there's nothing wrong, you know. No. That's what competition is. You know, you compete to win, but I, I prefer that approach as opposed to thinking, you know, we'll just sit back and, and see what happens. We, we still wanted to try and attack the game and attack the opposition. Yep, absolutely. I think that came through in volumes. Um, you spoke earlier about expanding the league. How important is it that the, the league is expanded out and and that the game moves to a professional level where women can actually, um, you know, not just one or two, but every woman playing in the W League is actually able to say, this is my, my sole income? Yeah, I think that's a real critical part, isn't it? I, and uh, I think... Everyone acknowledges that. I don't think there's anyone who, who thinks that, that shouldn't be the case. Um, I guess it's more up to the, the structures and the powers above us to work out how that can how that can happen. And you know, I think that is the direction where we're naturally getting there. It's just taking a bit of time. And you know, the, the I'm sure that the people, the stakeholders, and the decision makers have got a plan in place. You know, and while we may not be privy on it from the outside, I think it's. Yeah, we're, we're heading there, and uh, there's a lot of momentum behind behind women's football at the moment, and it's fantastic to be part of it. I'm really grateful, and let's see how how it looks in a few years. Yeah, look, I think it's an exciting time, and if we if there's a good time to do it, it's now. We're, we're two years away from a, a World Cup being being held in Australia, and all of that uh, momentum needs to be you know maximised and utilised to to develop the women's game. No doubt, yeah, one hundred percent. And you see a lot of uh, a lot of the states uh, creating these legacy uh, initiatives and and things like that, you know. And everyone's going to you know sort of benefit from the from the World Cup in a different way. But hopefully, football as a whole, and obviously women's football, can we just yeah we just use that momentum to to find new new sort of um, positives and and new new ideas of how we can continue to grow the game and, and I think everyone will benefit from it, no doubt. So as a W League coach, what's your biggest challenge? Good question. Um, look, I think, as you mentioned before, everyone's um, got sort of different circumstances. We've got players that have full-time employment. We've got players that are full-time at school and then we've got ones that are in between at uni and and 
things like that. And I have to acknowledge and accept and support the fact that they are trying to juggle a career on top of a career and just be mindful that what that brings, you know. When you've got a player who has just spent eight to nine hours as a landscaper out in the in the WA sun and then they arrive for training in the evening, you just need to be really aware of what that player's gone through that day from a physical load and a mental load point of view. So, you know, it's just having having some awareness and clarity around each player and their different circumstance before they even get to training. Yep. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, as, as a W League coach or probably any head coach, it's the, the big thing is improvement in yourself. Um, and I think we're always, as coaches, looking for ways to improve our environment, improve our players and improve ourselves as people and as coaches. And ultimately, if you have that growth mindset and you're really digging deep into that sort of, uh, yeah, insight into what you can do, uh, I think that that's a challenge in itself if you're open and aware of that. Absolutely. And I think also we, when you're dealing with women, that the way you motivate players is very different. You know, when I think back to, to my career and you look at what goes on around the place, you know, the, the yelling and screaming at players and kicking hair dryers around the, the dressing room is particularly ineffective for women. Uh, emotional awareness, uh, emotional intelligence are uh, probably really key factors in, in working with athletes. Motivation can happen in so many different ways and strategies. And, that, you know, they say coaching is an art or it's a science. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Mm. And you just, yeah, you, you need to know how to get the best out of each individual. And I, I don't know if the, the hair dry treatment is particularly effective anymore with, you know, the way society is, you know, not just women's football, but in general. Um, I think just having really honest, authentic conversations with players is absolutely critical. Yes, definitely. And um, with, the, with the group of players that you've now acquired, um, realistically, where, where do you see the, the glory women ending at the end of the season? Look, I think we need to just ensure that we are as best possibly prepared as we can be for each game. And, you know, I know it's cliche to take it one day at a time, one game at a time. After this last year's season, you know, I think that has to be our approach. We just want to get better every week. We want our process to be uh, refined every week and, and take every game as it comes. Absolutely, the goal is to win. You know, I think every coach and every team and every player wants to win every game. Mm. So that is first and foremost. But we also want to be really competitive in every game and make sure we get... Our, you know, our tactics and our individual player stuff as best and finely tuned as we can. And if we do that, sky's the limit, you know, because we, we've got that resilience within the group now and now yeah. it's just about what we can do within the group. We've got a lot of young players. We've got a lot of experienced players. I think the balance is really good and um, we've got a nice... We've got that experience and that, that sort of steely edge as well as some flair and some naivety almost from some of the younger ones. And I yeah. think... Yeah, it's just it's shaping up to be really positive. So I don't want to put a ceiling on, on what we can achieve. I think we'll just do the best that we can in every game and in every session and then see where we end up. And I suppose the other thing is between now and December, your um, your real mission is to, to gel these 10 or 15 strangers into a cohesive working group that are all... Um, based on the, on the same objectives who, who all get on and then just add that little bit of extra magic that, that makes a, a winning season. Yeah, and I'm super happy, 
happy and lucky to have, as you mentioned, Tash and, and Kim Carroll, Sarah Carroll, players who have experienced Perth glory and know what it means to be a Perth glory player. You know, they're going to play a really important part in helping me manage that process as well as our... We've got Kat Jukic yeah, involved in a support role this Excellent. year. And obviously she's... Mm. She's, you know, recently retired and knows what it means to be a Perth Glory player as well. So I'm really lucky that I've got great people around me to help that process because, as you mentioned, it is a critical part. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the the other critical part, which, um, you know, has proven last year, even with the results that were going that way, um, the women have got a very loyal band of supporters. And if you can double those numbers with some people who are, who are there just for the, uh, the good times, um, that will also be a good blend because that, that will breed more diehards. And, and the more people we have following the game, the better. Yeah, and we want to make sure that we... We put on a great show each game for our, you know, our members and supporters, and we try and get people on board and, and be part of the journey with us. And it's we're going to have some great times, and the more people we can have involved in that, you know, in that process is the, the better. So, um, you know, the, the club's been fantastic in, in thinking of ways to to grow that members uh, and grow that uh, base. Yep, and we've just got to do our part as well on the field to make sure that there's a, a fantastic product that you know people are looking forward to each week to attend. Yeah, I saw some stuff during the week um, on Facebook or whatever with uh, the, the new kit designs, and I must admit, I, the home kit with the the 1996 in, in the the shirt looks really terrific. But the the teal blue was a bit of a, an outside one for me, and it it looks good on Tash, but I don't know how good it's going to look on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm a big fan. I really like it. It's fresh, yeah, and, um, and it's bold. You know, and they're key words for, for any team, I guess. You want to you want to be fresh and bold, so it's it's going to reflect the way that we want to play from a W League point of view. And I think if you've got a nice tan, it it just really accentuates the features, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. But uh, look, I think the the media stuff that the club's doing is working out really well. Um, you know, there, there's lots coming on and, and lots being shown and that, that helps grow the brand and I think, you know, there's there's lots of good things happening. Um, I don't know that, you know, as I said, the teal kit on the boys may look a little bit different, but I think for the girls it'll be really, really good. Um, but, yeah, the, the club's doing a fantastic job all around with its media presentation, so um, it's good to see that happening because that builds the interest and all the announcements that they've had and, and the interviews with yourself have been really good about the the histories of the players and why you've selected them. So, you know, good work by everyone on that. Yeah, the, the club's doing so many good things inside. And again, I'm just so grateful to be part of a, you know, a team in itself within the club of staff. And we've got so many good people doing a lot of good things. And I'm, I'm glad that people such as yourself can, can enjoy the work that they're, they're putting in. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time this morning. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the team go out and, and play competitively because I think um, with what you've assembled there, it's very exciting times ahead. Yeah, thanks so much and appreciate all your work and looking forward to our next chat. Cheers, mate. See ya. Yeah. Alex Epicus. Perth Glory W League coach and I think yeah recruited extremely well done a great job hasn't he really mm. let's be honest and been probably one of the busiest coaches in that in, in that space uh, well it's interesting because some of these players he's been tracking for over a year so yeah. you know 
probably before he came to the glory, he was tracking players. Oh, absolutely. And look, he probably, <laughs> you know, with, with him coming in when he did last year, there wasn't a lot of time um, taking into consideration transfer windows and that mm. sort of thing. So, look, I mean, with, given a bit of time um, and a, a, bit, a, bit, a big lead in, um, we're seeing great things and looking yeah, forward, look forward. And I forgot to mention that year. they've also got a, a sponsor for the women. Um, in DLA Piper sponsorship that's on the back of the shirts now. Okay, that's a, a separate sponsorship for the women. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. great. So, yeah, good, good work all round by the glory. And I think, you know, it shows that the club's serious about the women. Last year, yeah, it wasn't a good year. Um, well, it wasn't a good year for for anybody, though, no. last year. I mean, last year was, has been tough for, for so been, many. Well, and, and look, not just here, all over the world. Um, mm. I was reading the other day that Derby County have gone into administration um, and they're blaming that on the COVID there'll year. Be, and there'll be more. Oh, there'll, yeah, look, uh, there'll absolutely be more. And I'm surprised at, to this date that there hasn't been many, many, many. I mean, there's already been quite a few anyway in the lower leagues and that sort of thing across England. Um, interesting, another thing we didn't mention was the fact that um, Channel 10 will be broadcasting one W League game on one of their subsidiary channels every single week. Yeah, no, I think, look, I think the media side, we, we've yet to, to see how that goes, but, you know, they, they brought in a good team. They, they certainly went out and, and, and spotted the talent and grabbed him as soon as they could. Without a doubt. As in yeah. Simon Hill, you know. Yeah, without a doubt. I know I know exactly who you were talking about. And yeah. um, look, I mean, he is the voice of Australian football, let's be honest, isn't he? Absolutely he is yeah. and, and will continue to be now because there was, uh, last time I spoke to him, there was some thoughts of him leaving the country. Well, he was, well, he didn't know what was going, where he was going to go, did he? And he, no. he wasn't going to commentate on anything else, so he would have had to have. Yeah, and, and look. Fair enough. The man loves the loves the game, but he as much as he's he's a dirty rotten pom. <laughs> he, he loves Australia. Worse isn't than it? that. Worse than that. He's a blue nose as well. I know he's a blue nose man. It doesn't get I any know. worse. Yeah. I know. All right. Um, so we'll come back after the break with um, Michael Ianolo uh, from Mum. So we'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Hi. I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to what we saw right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Yeah, it's good to hear Miranda's voice there. Miranda obviously now playing out of Adelaide, but she is a professional footballer in her own right. And hopefully um, just the same as another goalkeeper will return to the glory at some stage. That's right. Miranda was commentating actually last week, I think. She does the... a fair bit of commentating yeah, yeah, on the so final. she's yeah. getting out and about. 
Yeah, no, look, and it's uh, we've done it before. We've we've got people who've grown through media and and now on the park as well through this radio station. So it's good. A bit late for me, I think. The uh, NTC of the uh, football media world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Now joining us online is someone who was involved in that final. Actually, um, is Michael Ianolo, who is the um, president of Mel- Murdoch University, Melville. Bit of a mouthful, so we always say mum. But good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Phil. I'm, I'm well. How are you? Good, mate. Um, I had a quick look at your Facebook profile the other day, and you're another one of these young pups coming through as a uh, club president. No, it's great to see because, you know, obviously Phil is the president of Ashfield and he's also the state league chair, but it's good to see that the, the baton's going into good, capable hands. Oh, um, I'll put... Thanks. I'll take the compliment as being young. Um, my hair is progressively getting greyer, and I don't know whether that's through the presidency or not. But oh. um, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how we go. I'm just impressed you have hair, Michael. Still, I'm, I, I seem to be losing <laughs> mine as well as it going grey. Yeah, and, and receding you loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's all the hair jokes we have uh, yeah no but look it's it's good because uh, lots of people like um dave who was before you had been around the club forever um and you know was looking to to hand over but um needed to find someone who had the right stuff and and i know that he wouldn't have handed it over to you unless you did so you know i think it's Im- important that you're, you're recognized for that yeah, look, and, and um, I'd, I'd sort of been helping out around the committee for, for quite a long time and, and been involved with the club myself. So I was in a, I guess, a fortunate position to um, know the ropes and know how the club operated and, and, and be able to take over from Dave reasonably seamlessly. So that's, um, that's worked well. Yeah, it certainly has. And obviously the, the club's going from strength to strength. You've been for a long time one of the largest junior um, setups around. Um, I can remember playing against the old Melville Alemania as a, as a senior myself. So um, the club's got a good, rich history. Um, you've made the transition into the state league. You've always been strong with your women's teams. And then after the demise of Queen's Park, um, have really benefited yep. in that. But, you know, you've got the, a good infrastructure around you and it's, you know, despite the fact you're juggling numerous um, training sites, everything seems to be working. It does, and, and that's always the challenge when, when the club is, is quite large and spread out across a lot of different venues. That, so that always presents a lot of difficulties in, in maintaining the day-to-day operations. But I think as a club, our, our direction is that we want to facilitate football for, for everyone and give everyone opportunity to play at whatever level they desire. So whether that's you know, an elite stream competition like your men's state league, women's NPL, or community football. We want to be able to be a club that that can facilitate that and can facilitate it effectively. But you would also have some some issues with that because you know you've your catchment area is quite rich in in resources, so um, you'd have probably your junior teams become oversubscribed. So where how do you keep that balance between having, you know? a lot of players and, and too many? We, um, we sort of understand, I guess, what the, what the cap is, I guess, in terms of ground availability. So we, we have a number in mind that, that we work to, and we make sure we, we fit into that, right? Um, 
I think we do that reasonably well. And, and, and at the moment, we're probably right on, on the limit. And, and I think that's settled at a, at a nice level at the moment. And, and look, we want to you know, try and retain all our players every year. And it's not, not always possible. But I think that um, small growth from here on in is, is OK um, without, without anything going too far. And obviously then, you know, introducing caps is, is not what we want to do. But at the same time, um, it might be necessary if, if the club grows too much further than what it is now. It's interesting you mentioned there, Michael, about losing players. So, is there, is that, is that in a particular level or an age group, or, or are they moving to other clubs? No, it's um, and we've sort of looked at this a little bit, and, and some of it's other sports. Yeah. Very rarely it's other clubs. Um, I, I find that um, it's well, the reasons given are normally to other sports, and that's that's something that you know the the, the kids and the families want to explore, and that's fine. Um, I believe our retention rate, um, once they get to Mum FC, is is very strong, um, and you know we obviously try to make sure that we're making our club, um, you know, at the forefront of their minds, and, and obviously wanting to stand. I think we we've, we've done that reasonably well over yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. And, I, and I think in in community football, I think that's the case, right? So there's quite a lot of natural attrition um, for number for various reasons. Yep. But how how about that? The elite stream. So in the in the NPL juniors, obviously you're an NPL junior club. How how yep. are you seeing the retention there? Is it, and and obviously the pathway um, being being an important yep. element of that. Yep. Um, the retention is is good from thirteen through to sixteen. Our NPL program is extremely strong, um, very well run. We've got qualified coaches. Obviously, Mark Jones is the technical director, also is the figurehead of that, and, um, and 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 that's gone from strength to strength in the last couple of years. And we get a lot of inquiries from um, from members of other clubs wanting to join our program because they see uh, the effectiveness of that. Yeah, and Mark's and, immensely hands-on so, as well, isn't he? He's he's very much right. involved. Yeah, exactly right. Um, the issue that we do face at the moment is once they get to once our sixteen. Um, once they finish in the 16s, their next step, I guess, in the elite pathway um, for our club is, is to go to men's state league division two. That uh, sometimes it's not sort of the highest level that some of the boys think they can get to, and they would then seek out other opportunities at senior NPL clubs or even division one clubs. So mm. we're obviously striving to be able to um, provide a place for them to stay and, and, and get them promoted from. State League two into into Division One, I guess initially, and, and then you know we'll see what happens from there. And so, obviously, big steps taken in that regard as well overnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was good. Um, came out of Gosnell with well, it was a loss on the night, but a, but a win overall, and um, and good to good to get through that. It's always the Friday night at Gosnell is always uh, a challenging fixture. So by think, half time, um, your nails would have taken a beating, wouldn't they? <laughs> no, no, it was all good. Um, it was a, it was a good challenge thrown down, and, and um, the boys responded as, as we thought they would, and um, and, and and came away with it. So mm. we uh, were looking forward to Wednesday. What's your thoughts on the MPL process overall, or the MPL um, junior side of things? You think it's working, or you think it's broken, or um, is it is there room for improvement? There's always room for improvement. Um, I don't think it's completely broken. I think that there's, I think that there's probably too many clubs 
um, at the moment that that offer the product, and, and, and as a result, there's just not enough volume to um, to get dispersed around all the clubs. So, so that's potentially a small issue. Um, I think that some clubs work it better than others in terms of the actual program they offer. Other clubs sort of maybe don't focus on it as much and, and have it as as their um, standard offering, right? Whereas I think we pride ourselves on offering you know, the, the best MPL product in WA. And then, and then you have compliance squads where, you know, because they've got to have a team of X in, in the competition, they just put in a team of X and the quality isn't there and they end up getting trounced 15-0 every week. So that, that's not a good thing and not a healthy no. thing. Um, and I did notice that you you had um, an advert out for players to trial for your junior setup, and and yep. the one thing missing from that was MPL. Um, other teams seem to be you know spruiking their their MPL status. Um, you have avoided that. Was that deliberate? Uh, the the trial the trial advertisement it did have MPL in it. Um, okay, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain it yeah. maybe it wasn't as Maybe it wasn't as obvious as some of the other ads that yeah. sort of, you know, wrote MPL in size seventy six font or whatever. But um, yeah, we advertise still for for trials, and we run a, a, a sort of a fair and transparent mm. trial process, right? And we don't exclude don't exclude others from trialing at all. We, no. we sort of make sure that, that everyone that um, wants to register their interest gets that opportunity, and, and then we look at it from there. Um, and and so yeah, I, I, yeah, it's definitely yeah. up there though the advertisement. So that's. No. Um, because I would have thought, you know, already as well. with with an NPL set up and, and certainly with someone like Mark at the helm, that your, your under-13s that played this year, the expectation would be that they're your 14s next year and will be your 16s in a couple of years and that there's very little um, movement between them um, and that you're not bringing in other people just because you can. And I think uh, my own experience is that the, some of the parents have a, an unrealistic expectation of where their, their budding Messi or Ronaldo is going to play because they are definitely going to become a professional footballer. And that that side of it I find quite distasteful. We're, we're, the NPL for me has introduced portability of players at a very young level and they don't build up loyalty to a club Whereas when I coached at Forestfield, I started off with a team uh, under eights that had six and seven-year-olds in it that I took all the way through to under 14s before I had to move from from Perth yep. for my work. Yep. But we took them yep. all the way to 14s Premier League and, and played in the cup final. Uh, and that bunch of kids, with the exception of one or two, were the same kids that I had as six-year-olds. Yeah, and I think it's... I think it's twofold though as well, right? There's there's a loyalty aspect from the player, but there's also going to be um, the club's going to be uh, providing a good enough product that that the player wants wants to stay as well. So, oh, and, yeah. and you know, some clubs some clubs obviously fail in that, and so they start looking elsewhere. And 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 these are also talented players that would normally be loyal if everything is being run smoothly and they feel a part of that club too, right? So mm. we also don't want to preclude anyone from um, from coming our club, coming to our club because there's nothing to suggest that, that they won't be yeah. a loyal player for, for the next 10 years. But even I suppose... They haven't been there before, so it's just a matter of time. Yeah. 
the extension I've seen of this though is that you've got clubs that troll under eight, under eights, under nines, and then encourage them at under eight or under nine to move from a from a grassroots club into an NPL club because the coaching's so much better. And you know, at that stage, the kids are just learning to enjoy the game, and all of a yeah. sudden, we've got an elite eights and an elite nines, which I think is completely. Um, it's an abomination, in my opinion. Anyway. Yeah, and the news of under nine coaches being sacked yeah. this season because results aren't going their <laughs> well, way. No, the, I actually know of I know of an under eights coach that was sacked because he wasn't winning enough games. Yeah, okay, that's yeah, that's not that's definitely not our focus at that, <laughs> that level. No. no way. <laughs> but 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 that that culture is being bred out toxic. there, right? It's toxic. It, it, it's toxic, and it is being bred out there, and, and we need to kind of call it out a yeah, bit. And, right? and I know Mark doesn't do this, but there are there are coaches out there that will tell you that I have got the, the way to do things and if you if you coach by me you will become a professional. It's a big call because there's so many intangibles. Um, one of my own yep. boys was, was a very, very talented footballer and as equal to any of the other players that he was playing with at the time who did become professionals. He just didn't want it. He didn't want to sacrifice some of the things that he enjoyed, like his job and his and his mates, to go and, and pedal himself around Europe in a club. So, um, you know, it's not just being good enough isn't enough. Yeah, that and that's yeah, that's not definitely not our philosophy at all. So, um, I just, you know, we can only do what we can do, I guess. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, we can have conversations with others and and, and maybe try and and push them into a, a more appropriate manner of, of, of running a program like that. But, yeah, it's, um, it's always a difficult challenge. Yeah. But, look, we don't see that from from uh, from, from, Mur- from Melville, Murdoch Melville, we should say. Mm. Um, I think you guys are probably, you know, the example of, of, of what, we, what we'd look like to see out in football and, and the more we model ourselves on clubs like yourselves – um, we'll see a lot more positive. I mean, the fact that you have all of those teams, it means you, you're not turning away kids, right? You, you've you got yep. your community streams, your elite streams and everything in between. And and that's what's important. I, I suppose the thing is that you you've op- operate in such a way that you've got teams for, for boys, teams for girls, teams for men who want to play at any level, teams for women that want to play at any level. Um, I noticed you had three female coaches um, coaching yep. your girls' teams, which is a yep. wonderful thing with, with Penny, Emily and Sarah running yep. their, their respective sides. So there's, there's lots of good things happening, but basically at your club, doesn't matter how old you are um, or what gender you are, there's, there's a space for you. That's right, and and that's that's first and foremost, right? We results and and sort of the, all the, the stuff with with being a good footballer is um, is nice to have, but at the end of the day, we just want everyone to enjoy their football and be able to. We want to be able to facilitate that for them, right? So that that that's first and foremost, I guess, in our club philosophy, and um, and I think I think we're doing a reasonable job at it. Absolutely. Now you you're through to the next round. There's a there's a game on this afternoon, the biggest game in this state today, I reckon. Uh, which is <laughs> Swan- no, look, I'm not worried about people who kick eggs around. Um, it's you know, Francis Street today, so you you'd be looking at, at that with a um, with one eye. Your coach will certainly be down there watching watching proceedings. Yep, yep, that's right. Um, 
How how important is it? Because I, I know when I spoke with Dave years ago, um, it, was, it was vitally important that your your team a got into Division One, and and then from that point strive towards getting into the um, MPL. So um, obviously that drive is still there. But I mean, you, you you're so close, you can taste it now. That's right, and and it is important, and and it's about the sort of retention and and really completing that pathway for. I guess for our elite stream, right? And um, we've got the we've got the boys that get to 15, 16, and, and they look for uh, senior MPL level clubs, and they're capable of of playing and doing well at those clubs. So we can't, you know, begrudge them for for wanting to seek those opportunities. Yeah, we just want to be able to offer that offer them that opportunity ourselves. But, I, but I, would, I would imagine if you had a 15-year-old who was good enough, he'd be playing in, in your 18s. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. And, 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 our, and our pathway is actually even a little bit different to that as well, right? Yeah. We've, um, we try and offer some of those talented boys spots in the reserves, which we, we just call them our 23s because we don't, um, we don't field... We, we do the same at Ashfield. Yep, yep. yep. So, we, so, we, so we just um, will offer that to them as a... As a potential pathway, um, and and look, I mean, some of them, some of them are happy to happy to do that. Uh, yeah. Oh no, look, I, I think it's it, it, status club. It's good to to have those players developing through, and I think to be honest, um, if you've got young lads who. Uh, uh, eligible 18s playing at reserves they learn so much more playing in resis than they ever would playing in an under 18s at any level yeah. even MPL and the same with the lads who are playing in first teams who are in some cases under 20 still um, yep. who wouldn't in necessarily if they were playing in MPL side get that opportunity so Divi 1, Divi 2 is a great place for you to, to play at a decent level against older players and to compete, whereas the 23s MPL, you're competing against other 23s. So I think, That's you know, right. development-wise, development right. you're better off in Divi 1, Division 2. Yes, I, I, I can see that, definitely. And, um, and we had, I think it was four or five of our uh, 16 NPL boys that actually made uh, a debut for the first team this year, mm. um, the Division 2 first team. And, and Football West rules, they kind of restrict how many appearances they can actually make for the first team at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we were able to blood them and, and, yeah. and they did they did well and, and really enjoyed the experience and, and show that they would actually fit at that level pretty easily. So and, and I think it it's down to the player. Play. You know, you, you look at the, the players that have come through. Norman Whiteside was playing for Man United at, at 16, 17. Joe Cole was playing for West Ham in, you know, the top league at 15. Yep. Um, yep. You know... Uh, Rooney was playing at seventeen, eighteen. You know, there's there are players that at that age can can manage it. We've got a, a sixteen year old playing in in the first team at, um, at Ashfield, who probably one of our best players this season, one of our most consistent players this year. Um, which is, you know, it's good to see that you've got those players coming through can hold their own and and get that that um, development now because in four years when he's twenty, you know, he'll be a, a seasoned. Uh, first teamer. Yep, and and so we'll you know we'll we'll continue that philosophy in um, in future seasons as well, and and give those that that want the opportunity, give them the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if you if you're good enough, you're old enough, in my opinion. Yep, that's right. All right, so very important things happening for you at the moment. Obviously, your MPLW side uh, all conquering 
um, MPLW <laughs> side. Uh, no, they've done extremely well. You know, there's um, a former Asheville player in there, so quite happy with that with Casey. Um, Katie Schubert. Katie Schubert, yep. yeah, for, former 18, under-18s player for, for us. Yep. In the state league. <laughs> um, she um she only she only got through the half half season this year, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, but uh yeah, they actually capped it off with a nice state cup win, so that was that was obviously good to see and, and yeah, you know, taking out the treble, all three uh all three major trophies, that I mean it wasn't really a focus, I guess, at the start of the year and, and sort of as the year progressed then it looked like that it that it could happen. Um, and it's, it's a really nice thing to have, obviously, but, but we still want our players to get to the next level. Yeah. We understand, I guess, where we sit in the, in the pecking order, right, in terms, of, in terms of professional football. And, you know, the aim is really to get the, the players up to Perth Glory or even Matildas. Yeah. Um, or you know another club in the, in the W League, maybe an Eastern Eastern States club but, as well. That's fine. That that's the focus, right? And 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 where um, we maintain that to the players as well, hmm. and they understand what what they need to do to get to that next level. And, and you look at it this year, your state league side started off um, reasonably well, then kind of drifted for a bit, and then you brought in a new coach, and he's really sharpened the pencil. And without bringing in any new players, that you've you know, gone from being sort of also runs to being contenders. So it shows you what can happen when you you, you get the right people in the right places. That's right, and um, and I, I think obviously the squad is 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 strong, and um, they just needed just a couple of couple of tweaks, I think, in the system, and and, and we made the change at the right time to um, to enable that to happen, and, and obviously they went on a good run of form towards the back end of the season to get themselves in the playoff contention, and 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 now here we are. Mm. Absolutely. Well, look, best of luck in the uh, the playoffs, and and you know um, whether it's this year or next year. I know you'll you'll make make that way or that step into Divi One, and then um, obviously you'll be a, a potential threat for for MPL promotion. So, um, love what you're doing. Keep keep up the good work. Um, you know, it's hard to run a big club like that, juggling all those elements. So politically, you must be doing very very well. Um, and thank you for being on this morning. Thanks, gents, and um, yeah, shout out to shout out to all the committee and all the helpers around the club as well. Right, that's um, that's a key part in, in getting out a club our size to actually run as efficiently as it does. So, and, and you know, I'm not gonna not gonna take credit for any of that. But, of course, um, yeah. there's plenty of plenty of people on board behind the scenes that that do a lot of stuff and a lot of hours that are unseen by many, um, just to get get the club to you know, sort of where it is now. Right, and um, and they're doing a fantastic job. Yeah, one of those actually messaged through this morning. Um, your former president, actually, Dave Kynas, um, and says good morning and uh, doing a great job out there. He'll say, um, yeah, he'll say I'm, I'm the best president since Dave Kynas. Absolutely. So I couldn't uh... agree more with that, actually. <laughs> I, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and, and Dave's just glad it's not him. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's, he's enjoying his time out of the sun now. So Absolutely. <laughs> All right, mate, thank you for being on, and we'll speak to you again soon. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, Jens. Have a good one. Bye. You too, Michael. All right, Michael Ianello from Mum. Yeah, good job he's doing out there.
Yeah, look, it, it's a big club, and you know yourself poli- politically, it's always um, difficult when you're running all those different elements, and you know every single one of those teams playing out there is the most important team in that club, and wants to play on the main pitch. And yeah, well, that doesn't matter the size. Any <laughs> that happens yeah. at any size of club. That yeah, that, absolutely. That, the politics. You know, um, we're, we're the Division Seven social side. We should be playing out there. Yeah, yeah. No, but um, good things coming out of uh, out of Mum and the facilities they've got out there at uh, Melville University. Uh, Mur- Murdoch University, yeah. sorry. Um, second to none. Like, oh, look, uh, I'd say, you say second to none. They still need some, some work on it. I mean, there's there's really no um, seat, seating or proper seating. I think that's in, that's in place now. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. The last there. time I was yeah. out there, there wasn't anything and it just, yeah. yeah. But you could see it was going to happen. But the infrastructure, yeah, the, 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 the broader infrastructure, I guess, around yeah. um, that facility is, is slowly coming together. And yeah. um, look, when it's, when it's, I guess, from a grand plan perspective, once that's complete, it'll be an amazing facility and probably just in time for them to uh, make their advance on the NPL. Yeah, and I think when you look at those artificial pitches, you know, you, you can play um, with with lights, you can play 24-7 on it. You can, you yeah. can. And I mean, and having, well, you, as you know, playing on a, on a synthetic pitch yeah. um, has, its, has its differences, but look, the, the, the stuff out there is, um, is, is pretty top-notch. Yeah, it is. Now I've been on uh, on that one, and I've been on the one for men versus fat out of Coburn, and they're they're worlds apart. Yeah, not too many slide tackles, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, one. <laughs> yeah, it was always one. <laughs> there was one. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be back after that with you, Phil. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know. I don't know. You'll pick up the phone on this one. I should. All right. Yes. So we'll be, we'll be back after this. We are one, but we are many, and from all the lands we become, we share a dream, Um, always like that song um, Phil lots of things happening out there in the world of football but I did notice the other day there was an advert running for a Four Corners program um, that looks extremely interesting and I don't know if that's going to be in a good way um, it's called A League of a, a League of Their Own it'll be on ABC Four Corners um, and it's around the ownership of Australian soccer clubs yeah, it's interesting stuff, actually. Um, and if you, it, it'll uh, there's a there's a few hooks in that in some of the previews on on that. I guess um, oh, it's not a documentary, is it? But it's um, that current affairs bit. Yeah, but there, it, but there it are talks quite a, a few hooks in it. It talks about the the faceless ownership and some of the the people that are buying into the game. Mm. And in one of the quotes, I thought 
was quite provoking was do you really want want to be run by a government that's committing war crimes well exactly right so and and you know we to be honest we don't really know some of these ownership structures how they look no and as much as people complain about Tony Sage um, and his ownership of the glory, um, you know, everyone knows who Tony is. He makes no secrets about who he is. Mm. Um, yes, he's he's made some interesting decisions or mistakes, if you like, with the um, e-currency stuff. But the, what Tony is, first and foremost, is a glory fan. Absolutely right. Yeah. And and he is one of those the rare few of the people that are pumping his kids' inheritance into our game. Yeah, and um, and long may it continue in that capacity for the glory. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll be, I'll be look, glued into this Four Corners um, episode on Monday, and I think that, um, yeah, it'll be very, very interesting, some of the disclosures that are made. Yeah, and then it's the, the other links into things like organised crime. There's some stuff recently out of Melbourne um, about, you know, laundering money through clubs. It's, it's just not good publicity. Yeah, look, and there's been um, some discussions. I think it's um, uh, Sydney Olympic as yeah. well where um, there's some questionable financial conduct uh, by the chairman uh, and then how some of those funds have been. There, there might be some money laundering. There might be some... Um, you know, diversion of funds and that sort of thing. Yeah, Go- governance is a is a big beast in Australian football. It was yeah, and it's a it's a bit of a mythical beast because we'll we'll comply with some rules and not others. Mm. So I mean, pro- uh, and we talk about gambling. Right. I mean, even in the state league, there was recently um, gambling suspended on a game. Um, well, we don't know that for sure, and there's not been a lot discussed about it. But um, but the game was it. W- there was a game yeah. that was on Bet Three Six Five. We won't yeah. we won't mention which no, game, no. right? But there was a game that was was providing a market in Bet on Bet Three Six Five, and then all of a sudden su- disappeared. Su- suddenly, wasn't providing a market on yeah. Bet Three Six Five, and you don't need to be. You know, too much. You don't need too much tinfoil either to work out what what has happened there, Uh, particularly when people are sending you screenshots of the odds Mm. um, at the time. And this is a this is a dangerous thing about a game. You can gamble in an. I've spoken about this on numerous occasions, but you can gamble on just about any game taking place out there at the moment. Now, not all through Brett 365 and legitimate um, what we would call regulated gambling markets, but what, and this is something that I'm the, and particularly with live streams, right, Yeah. Um, that we've had in State League One this year, and I probably need to dedicate a good solid 45 minutes whenever we have a live stream in blocking out people that are linking to unregulated gambling sites yes. um, on our live stream and blocking them from every single – so we will put a post up about something um, prior to a game. It would be a promo for the match or it will be something about the day and there's, as, there's as, as the scams. admin of not the just, social – Not me, just gambling. Well, not just gambling, but, yeah. the, but a lot of them are linked yeah. to – the unregulated online gambling sites out of Southeast Asia yeah. and India and places like this. Um, and, I'm, and I'm, it's a busy time, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, we're, when we're preparing for a live stream. Um, and if we don't do it, then there is the chance that someone will click on it and end up finding themselves. And I suppose there's, there's two markets. There, there is the regulated uh, and audited 
um, gambling market that runs within Australia with reputable companies. Yep. So we talk about the Bet365 example we, we, we yep. spoke about before. Yeah. And it was taken down. That wouldn't happen in one of these unregulated markets. No. Right? And then the danger is that there's live betting on, on these matches. Yeah. Right? And we're not talking, I mean, MPL, A-League is one thing. Well, the thing is, you go around every ground, Division 1, Division 2, even some of the amateur games, there will be someone... Sitting sat- on an iPad with a, with, a, with a headphone in their ear, yeah. speaking to... Um, whoever. Whoever it yeah. is that they're speaking to, and it'll be home side, um, kick the ball out, throw in, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and there's only one reason they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a... It's a it's a kettle of fish. We need to talk about it more, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not um, – we shouldn't be afraid of it. It's – I think the, the last I've also, heard – There's also very strict rules about people who are registered um, officials and players mm. gambling on football. Yeah. So, I mean, every single player, volunteer, club administrator that does, um, that does register is, is expressly forbidden from gambling on FIFA-sanctioned matches. Now, that's not just in your own league, and that's obvious, it's right? It's the Albanian 5th Division. It is the Albanian 5th Division. Um, yeah. Now, World Cups. There's, there's probably some common sense that would apply, um, and I, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody being sanctioned for doing an EPL multi or anything like that. Mm. However, technically, letter of the law, it, it is forbidden, right? Um, but... It's not, for me, we're not, it's clear, isn't it? You sh- yeah. If you're, if you're a, an A-League coach or an A-League player, you probably shouldn't be betting on an A-League game. <laughs> and I think it's fair to accept that if yeah. you're a State League player or a State League administrator or a State League coach, you probably shouldn't be betting on a State League game. Yeah. Um, I'm a wowser. I don't bet on nothing. I, neither do I. It's not yeah. just me. But, um, look, it's an area, it's an area of our game that we, we need to talk more about um, it, it, and it does it's a real thing mm. it's a real thing but there are people prepared to breach that rule as there are with all the rules that we have yeah. in every aspect of life um, I might have broke a few rules driving here for example not, um, non-double demerit weekend surely well, well that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's a point true yeah, that yeah. Is, that's, that's, that's actually a true, true point but um, I guess the, the reason I might not have is because of the penalties um, like double demerits yeah. that might be imposed upon me. So. But then I suppose, look, the other thing is that there's a, a major difference between exceeding the speed limit for a couple of minutes here and there mm. to driving around full throttle without a licence. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think that's the difference, right? That is, yeah. that is absolutely the difference. Yeah, and I think if someone puts a bet on Germany to win a World Cup, then... Well, that's probably not so bad. Yeah, uh, uh, and I think that that's where we need to be. But the player that's involved, the player that's involved in a Division One amateur game um, as a goalkeeper or a striker, probably shouldn't be betting on the outcome. Uh, I, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, and um, if you were found to be doing so, I think you, yeah, you'd expect a bit of pain. Mm. But that brings us through to other rules then, because there, there's other rules that have been um, kind of just. Yeah, well, there's one, there's one in particular that I think yeah. we need to talk about, and it's a big one, right? And it's one that, that's occupying a lot of my time at the moment. Um, and I, I will, we'll probably cast our eyes back maybe 12 months or so um, due to some changes that FIFA made 
with respect to competitions, and these are FIFA-sanctioned competitions, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a change in their statutes where a, any competition, um, any registered competition, is defined as either professional or amateur. And how do they define whether it's professional or amateur? So a professional player is any player. That no, res- but a league first. Oh, so a league. So sorry, you're right. So we'll yep. take, a step, take a step. So a, a professional league is a league that has at least one professional player registered within it. Now, that's irrespective of whether it's the North Metro Division 5 yep. or the NPL. Yep. If one player is registered as a professional then that entire league or that competition is defined as a professional league. Okay. And then for that, what what does the, the definition for an amateur or professional player, what is, what is yeah. that? So it's black and white. And the NRR, which was formerly, which is the document that we were formerly referring to, is now mm-hmm. called the uh, NRSTR, which is the National Registration um, Transfer and status, I think. I can't yeah. get the actual acronym um, yeah. for you, but it clearly defines what the difference between an amateur and a professional player is. So an amateur player is someone that does not receive any form of benefit for playing, and a professional is a player who does receive a form of benefit. Now, there are some very, very... Um, it's the National Registration Status and Transfer Regulations. There you go. So I had it right, but yeah. just around the wrong way. Yeah. Um so the definition of an amateur player is one that does not get paid or receive any benefit for playing, and a professional is one that does, uh, and that's pretty simple. Yeah, it's, it's quite black and white. Now I know that we've discussed this on this show numerous times. Yeah, um, but there's a lot of implications, particularly for the state league, um, and I guess as the chair of the state league, that's why I'm here to talk about the implications of that. Now. Whether your league's defined as amateur or professional is neither here nor there. It just really it is. Well, it, well, it, but it yeah. is right. But we need to accept two very, very distinct differences. If it is amateur, there are a number of conditions that need to be met, and if it's professional, there are a number of conditions that need to be met, and they're very, very different in their application. So, if a competition is declared as a professional then the transfer window windows apply yep. for that competition. And that's the, the national or international? These are the national transfer windows okay. for the Australian. And they currently wouldn't work for NPL or State League? Well, they're aligned with the A-League. Yeah. Right? So the transfer window for 2022 season is currently open. Yep. Um, it will close sometime in October. I can't remember the exact date mm. now off the top of my head. Uh, another window will open in February. It'll be the short mid-season yep. transfer window. And then again, the long window will open in July and will be open until mm. August or sorry October sometime 2022. Um, but if a league is declared as professional and that was the case with the NPL this year. Yep. You can't transfer players into or register players regardless of their status of whether they're amateur or professional outside outside of of those transfer windows. Okay. So why it's important for the state league is that we need to make a decision as to whether or not our league is amateur or professional. Now, this year it was declared amateur. We found out about these changes 
um, in November last year, there simply wasn't enough time to implement the changes that were required. Uh, yeah. It would have been far too big an impost on clubs um, to to get everything in place, to register players and to deal with all of the other things if we were to be professional. But the problem with a, an, a competition being declared amateur and remaining so is that only amateur players can play in that competition. And by amateur, they don't get paid at all or receive anything in kind such as their club fees. So any benefit whatsoever that a player receives. um, Now, there is a very, very small caveat, and this has been cleared up by the FA. I mean, we spent – so the other thing is we spent a lot of time with FA Legal discussing When you say we – as in members of the State League Standing Committee, Football West. Yeah. Um, we've actually spent several hours in discussions with, with FA Legal Council. So this was in time when, when Football West and the State League Standing Committees are doing nothing? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, so we spent, a, we spent a quite a lot of time understanding all of these nuances and, um, and the implications of them. And we're at a point now where we, we need to make a decision. And um, I'm currently out there talking to clubs yeah. about which way we want to go. Now, as a State League Standing Committee, we think we're pretty clear on the direction we need to go. Yeah. Um, but we can't do it. We can't do it if only four clubs are on board. Yeah. We need, from the State League's perspective, 24 clubs. But I suppose the agree. thing is, uh, uh, looking at it, the, the direction's very clear. So as a, an amateur player, you can be given expenses up to $110 yeah, so, a week. So substantiated expenses, right? Yeah. So that is quantified as well. So things like your fees, your insurance, yeah. travel to and from games, equipment, yeah. kit. But $110 doesn't go very far very quickly. Not and, at all. And then if you're going to pay a player over and above that, the governing body need to accept that the expenses are legitimate. Yep, you need to justify. So you could yep. pay a player $500 a week for legitimate reimbursed expenses. Yeah. But those expenses would need to be justified. They would need but to be proven and they would need to be approved by the governing looking body. Looking at Division 1, Division 2, the average oh. expense for a player would be, what, $100, $150 a week? 200 max. Are you asking, so, sorry, you're asking me what I think would be the average. Yeah. What, what, what do you amount? think the value of a player, what you would, what as a club or as a entity you think look, would be expected? No, looking for, it wouldn't be unusual for a club in Division 1 to be paying players upwards of $150, $200 a game. Mm. As some players, maybe more, some, yeah. some less as well. But. So, in that scenario, um, uh, it would be in the club's best interest to register that person as a professional. Correct. In a professional league. Correct. And, and what, are, what are the benefits and what, and what are the, yeah. the non-benefits? So, what, what, what? so we've only talked about the implications, yeah. right? So the implications of and, – and, and this is the burden on clubs administratively, right? Yep. And needing to sign players in windows and not pay players if we go down this other path, right? Yeah. There's significant benefit, and this is probably going to give a bit of a hint to the direction that the State League Standing Committee yeah. is thinking, um, to defining a league as professional. That player can't move. No, he's that, bound to the club for the length of the contract. He's bound to the club for the length of the contract. He can only move in a window. Yep. Right? And, and this is irrespective, right? 
if he's an amateur or a professional. Yeah. So he can't move clubs mid-season. But with the, the but with the series. amateur player, he can still move, but you the club gets nothing. Well, no, no. An amateur player can't move to another state league club mm. outside of a transfer. No, window. but if they move out, if they move inside a transfer window, then they can just move. They oh, they could just, just yeah. So, yeah. so, so, for example, the there'll be a what would effectively be a mid-season transfer window for yeah. state league clubs. Um, they could move in July when that mm-hmm. opens, and there would be no fee involved. They yep. could freely move, and they could choose to move if they were registered as a professional. Couple of things. First and foremost, let's assume they're on a two-year contract. No one could talk to them. No one could talk to them. Mm. Um, that player is restricted in their, in essence. And if a club came to you and said, "Look, I'm interested in in acquiring that player," there would be a transfer fee involved in that in yeah. the procurement of that player. So there's the benefits. And the other thing, from a player's perspective, is that there's obligations on clubs with respect to professional contracts, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, well. Payment would be guaranteed. You, you, it would be a breach of contract if you didn't Correct. pay the player. Yeah, and under the same statutes that we were yep. referring to before, there's obligation on the club. You must pay regularly. So, for example, you might agree to pay weekly, fortnightly, monthly, or six monthly, right? Mm-hmm. But you would. The club is mandated to ensure that they meet those obligations. Yeah, and it would be a breach of the NRSTR. Yeah, if they didn't. Absolutely. And then I suppose the other thing, we talk about the, the downside. What is the downside to, to breaching that? You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give him too much change for his beer. Yep. So the reality is that your player, let's just, decide, let's just, let's just assume for a second yeah. we're talking an amateur player or an amateur competition and you decide to pay that player. FIFA may come in over the top of FA mm. and Football West and declare that player as a professional. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about that. And it could happen at any stage, at any time, and be backdated. And every single game that that player has taken part in would be a 3 or forfeit. Yeah. And that could be handed down at any point in time. And yep. the, well, it's not the million-dollar question. It's the 40,000 Swiss franc question yep. is um, what would happen in that, in that regard. And we've already, seen, we've already seen this happen. We've seen it happen in Adelaide. Uh, in FFSA, yep. we've seen it happen in Football New South Wales, and they went, and they went light on Adelaide because they self-reported. Absolutely, they did. And yep. if that's light, I'd hate to see the heavies come out. Yeah, to be honest with you, um, and it, it's something we shouldn't be afraid of. I mean, what we need—it's called if, compliance. If we're if we're paying players, right, and we know that many are, mm. we need to professionalise. We need it to go down this path. It provides. A lot of transparency for clubs, security for clubs, yep. security for players, yes. transparency for players, yes. and it, it legitimises our competition. Um, we don't have these problems where we've, every season we have them, um, clubs and players being bagged about loyalty, moving mid-season, et cetera, et cetera. This stops all that. Yep. And, and if it doesn't and stop it, right, and there's mutual agreement between club and player... Yeah. It, it just legitimises the whole the whole situation. Exactly. So if you've got a player who's unhappy, who's not in the coach's um, plans, you, you can mutually, come to a mutual agreement that he can leave the club and transfer over. Or if a club wants to take your player from you, they need to negotiate with you for for a transfer fee. So there are there are benefits, and I've I've long said I don't don't see why we're scared of professionalisation. No, we shouldn't be. Um, and we have well, we have to face this anyway. Mm. Irrespective, now we need to, and and Football West and the FA 
very much involved. Is and they made they so one last thing though, tax tax implications. Um, superannuation yeah, implications. Don't worry, don't, don't worry about these things. Yeah, these are. But they're thrown in as as means of, of but, missing but, things. But they're not they're not concerns of anybody, to be honest. Individual yeah. um, financial circumstances of player and club, they exist today anyway, mm. irrespective of whether you're paying players legitimately or not. Um, your own tax advisors for your club, you, the tax advice of players exists today. Yeah, nothing changes in that world, um, except it becomes legitimised. Yeah, it, it's open that. and accountable. It's open, transparent, and, accounta- yeah. and accountable. Look, the we shouldn't be mystifying things by saying tax superannuation concerns um, are a reason for not doing it. Th- those problems exist today. Yeah, but is that because we've got? Um, a, like a tradie or whatever element. No, it's, where a, it's a cash economy, right? Yeah. So in any, in any cash economy, yeah, you know, these habits. And then in. we've also got lots of visa players. So we've got players who are out here on um, visas who... Who probably can't earn money because their visas prevent them from doing so. They would, unfortunately, need, need to be amateur players or substantiated expenses. Or change their visa status. Or change their visa status, yeah. yeah. And, it, and there, there are very solid real world reasons yeah. for doing this and you can see yeah but the i mean the implications are, are are dire in some ways because you're either a professional or you're an amateur and it's very clear that you know there, there is like that 110 dollar a week limit um for expenses legitimized expenses but if you're going to pay a player you're probably better off going down a professional line than you are um i, I, amateur. I think so i mean i run a club i know yeah. what it's like i've run a club for a long time and yeah. for me it would. It, it's so much better to legitimise it. Yeah. It actually is. A, it's a hassle to be honest to have to pay people cash. Yeah. In, in in that sense. Absolutely, it would be. All right, Phil. Sounds like there's a lot more to be said on this, and a lot more to be, work to be done. I don't know if we're going to get it done before the next I, season. Uh, that's the concern at the moment. And FA Football West may just decree that the state league is one way or the other. Yep. Um, and and then well then the, the compliance on both is onerous on both Abs- club and, and player, whether that's amateur or whether yeah. it's professional. And we'll have to deal, have to deal with those um, implications as All they right. come up. Uh, one other thing I need yeah. to say before I go, obviously um, uh, a good friend of, of, of the club in Ashfield, Bill Busby, yeah. he's um, running again for the town of Bassendine local elections, so um, be prudent of me not to mention that, <laughs> promote, promote his political ambitions. Absolutely. No, well done. Glad you're doing that. Um, look, thank you for being on. For those of you at home and wherever you're listening, thank you for listening. Um, a few thought-provoking things through today's show. Penny's back next week. Thank you for listening. This has been the World Football Programme. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.